and welcome to I Can Make That, Conversations with Creatives. I am Katie McKinley and I'm a self-proclaimed maker of things. My family and I live and die by the code of DIY and naturally we found ourselves surrounded by people who lead some pretty creative lives themselves. I've decided to stop selfishly hogging all of my brilliant and wacky friends and to start sharing them with you. Behind every finished project is a human being who went through a range of successes and failures in making and in life, and it's about time that we get to know just who those talented individuals are. Welcome to episode number one, friends. Today's guest is someone that I have been fangirling and swooning over for a few years now, (laughs) and possibly a small part of me invited her onto this show just so I could have an excuse to hear her beautiful voice in my headphones. Hashtag soccer alert. My guest of the hour is Veronica Cole. She is a blogger at The Crunchy Mommy, which is where she shares about her green-friendly lifestyle that includes baby wearing, breastfeeding, child rearing, homeschooling, you name it. Veronica also has a second blog, it's called The Needle and the Bell, which is how I originally came to know her, where she shares her love of sewing through a handmade wardrobe that she creates for herself and her family, and sometimes creates for sale as well. Veronica is a body positive, fierce, and fabulous force to be reckoned with, and I'm honored that she's joining us. Welcome to I Can Make That, Veronica. Oh my gosh, Katie, what an intro. And it's so funny you say that you're fangirling over me. I remember when I first saw you on p- the peg leg pattern, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so <laughs> That's my amazing. Big start, right? <laughs> <laughs> you are a star. The first question that I really wanted to ask, because this is such a funny question for me to answer. A lot of people in creative based industries tend to wear like so many hats that the whole what do you do for a living question is like really awkward or difficult to answer. So how do you how do you explain your career in business to people? Like what what do you do for a living? It's so funny because it really depends on where I am. So my signature on like my business emails is actually uh, head creator of awesomeness. And um I like that because, you know, it's different from what most people have. And in truth, that's what I do. You know, I'm I'm a creator of awesome things. But when I explain it to, um, you know, when I'm talking to people, I do um, introduce myself as a digital content creator, as well as a um, well, the list is actually nonstop. So I start with digital content creator, but I also do consulting for small businesses for um, social media marketing and digital marketing strategies. And then, of course, I also add that I am also a seamstress. (laughs) And also I do this and also I do that. Right. It's like they're like, so what don't you do? I'm like anything that's detail oriented. I guess what would be what would you consider your origin story? We're big like superhero fans over in our household. So So origin story is how we how we describe how you get started. How long have you been blogging? How long have you been sewing? Like what what brought you into this world? So let's start with sewing. Um, I've been sewing since I was 13 and I had like really busy hands. Um, I was like that kid that would take apart everything because I was just so interested in kind of how things worked. So my mom put, bought me a sewing machine. She put me into a sewing class and I was like, okay, so this is really lame. We made some drawstring bag and I don't like this. These patterns seem like they're really hard to follow. So I picked up uh, knitting and crocheting after that, in fact. I'm a crocheter too. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. In fact, um, when I went to college, I would sit during our like 
you know, there are, you know how you have the freshman seminars and I would sit and I would make baby blankets. But then actually when I was getting ready to go through my divorce of my first marriage, I picked sewing back up. My mom bought me a machine as um, kind of a way to like refine myself again. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked up like some simplicity sewing pattern and I was like, oh, I'm going to make this for my New Year's Eve dress again. I was like, oh, my God, these instructions are insane. So I'm just going to cut out these pattern pieces and put it together the way I think it would go together. It was a disaster, but I still wore it. It was very like, you know, Cosby show. And um, then I started to make appliques. And um, then when I found out that I was pregnant with my second daughter, um, my husband, I got remarried (laughs) and um, I would go thrifting and I would just take, you know, like oversized clothes and just turn them into maternity clothes. And I was like, this is so cool. And then after I had my middle child, uh, my girlfriend was like, hey, can you make some harem pants? And I was like, I mean, sure. I always have this attitude, like I can make anything, even though um, I say yes. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, <laughs> I have I have that problem too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's almost like, why say no when you could say yes? Um, and so that's how I started back sewing um, consistently. So that's, this is, was probably in 2014. Um, and I just have not stopped since. In fact, I fell in love with uh, PDF patterns with actually patterns for pirates. They were my first, um, my first purchase in a PDF pattern. And since then I have been nonstop. I actually had a shop that I opened up And I did a Christmas sale and I got so many orders that I just got burnt out. And I was like, I'm going to put the store like on vacation and it's still on vacation mode like three years later. We're just like vacationing for a very long time. Um, You just, you know, on the beach, sipping mojitos because you don't. My ties and (laughs) dreaming about making clothes for other people. But um, right. So that's sewing. And even now, like um, I sew more because after I've had children, like I can't seem to stop gaining weight. And I hated the way that ready to wear clothes would fit me. And I was like, there's no reason why I should feel uncomfortable in clothing that wasn't designed for the body that I have now. So I, um, you know, I really started to learn how to make patterns for my body versus just making a pattern. Um, you know, because one of the great things about when you learn to sew is that you can actually make the things that differentiate um, ready to wear versus, you know, handmade. Um, As far as blogging goes, I actually started blogging a very long time ago, probably about 14 years ago. I did it for fun though. Like I would, um, this is really dating myself, but I used to, like I started blogging on MySpace. And yeah, like very long time ago, right? That is old school. (laughs) And um. After MySpace just kind of like dwindled off, I still had a following. So I moved to WordPress and um, over the years, I've had quite a few blogs um, like since then. And then in 2015, um, I decided that I wanted to leave corporate America and just write full time when I was on maternity leave from having my daughter, my second daughter, I was paid like $200 to write an article and I was like, whoa. So like I could make $200 in 30 minutes. This sounds like this is for me. And, um, so I left my job. I left my, uh, cushy corporate job and, um, 
pulled out all of my like my um, retirement, put it in a savings account so that in case we didn't turn a profit, then I would be able to still pay our bills. And I went off and I started writing for a living. And uh, my first client that I took on and did brand work for was actually Carter's, which was pretty cool. Actually, my first year, I didn't turn a profit at all. Like we were like one year to the day, we were like, man, we can't pay our bills. This is terrible. And a friend of ours lent us the money to pay our rent. And then I literally that month, I started to turn a profit enough to pay, like pay for things, which was really awesome. I also have an incredible husband who is incredibly supportive and is like, no, chase your dreams. You should do this. And, and part of it, part of the struggle is that if you have a, have a, you know, partner in your life that really doesn't get what you do, Mm -hmm. it's almost makes everything impossible. So it's really so important to have that like support system in your life. I guess I kind of want to explore a little bit more about your blogging side. I know you, you just explained a little bit about it, but like your, your blog title is crunchy mommy blog. So, I mean, obviously you, you like to, uh, explore more of the crunchy lifestyle that's like the green friendly mm-hmm. and breastfeeding and, you know, baby wearing and all of that. So what, when, I guess, when did you start subscribing to the crunchy life and what do you, what is your version of it? Because honestly, I, I look at it sometimes and your version seems really friendly and open and just like, Hey, I'm doing this. Why don't you also do it? Whereas I've received it from other people and it's like, you're terrible that you're not doing this version of things. And so I appreciate, I guess, coming from my, my lifestyle where I eat organic food and then also McDonald's that like, I feel like you float in the happy medium where you're not judging all the time. I do. I do. I definitely do. Which is why my tagline is practically green living. Um, It is a double entendre, Um, you know, because it, as much as I'm sure most of us would like to, you know, just eat organic all the time. And if we had like people to prepare these organic meals for us and help us live these zero waste lifestyles, then sure, we would all do it. Right. But sometimes it's just not practical. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's why that's my tagline, because, you know, I, I definitely want to come up with practical solutions um, that will also help us, you know, in the long run, hopefully with the planet, you know. But um, after I had my oldest daughter, um, so when I was pregnant with her, I was like, I'm just going to get an epidural. I'm just going to do, you know, life essentially the easy way, whatever. And then um, I didn't actually have to work when I was pregnant with her. Um, And I started to look into just more things like I watched Ricky Lakes, the business of being born and, um, you know, yeah, such a great documentary. And I opening it, and I love Ricky. Like, oh, she's so amazing. Um, but you know, uh, researching more things when I was pregnant about the impact of what we put into our body, how it's passed into our children. And, you know, when you're pregnant, you want the best for your children. You know, especially because they're unborn. You know, you always think about whatever it is that you're doing is going to affect them. You listen to like classical music, even when you hate it, because, you know, it helps their brains develop and and all this other stuff. But then I was like, you know, okay, so after she's here, then what difference does that make? And, you know, how I treat myself, how I treat the world and everything like that. Um, And she I actually had a pediatrician who was more crunchy, too. And like she had um, 
she would get these horrible ear infections. She, I had, I create rashy babies. All of my babies have had cradle cap and eczema. I mean, like they're beautiful, but rashy. And uh, my doctor was like, no, 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 we don't need a prescription. Here's what you do. Like, and here's just like some old wives tales on how to get rid of all of these things. And I was like, oh my God, this stuff works, you know? Um, so I began to really investigate and explore. And by the time that we had our second, had my second child, um, you know, people were coming to me for more natural and holistic solutions. Um, so like she would get congested and, or like, cause I, my second is an August baby. And, um, by the time that winter came, you know, like all the babies are now congested. And I was over here making like shower melts and taking her into the shower with me to like make her decongested and stuff like that. And they were like, Oh, can I get these shower melts from you? How do you make them? And, um, you know, all this, that stuff. And like, she also had an ear infection for like a month straight. This is why I left, um, corporate. And I took her to a chiropractor and a doctor of homeopathy and three adjustments later, that one month long, you know, ear infection was gone. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the lifestyle that I need to be living because as much as I really respect medicine, it's not always the answer. And I do, I do truly believe that mother earth has given us everything that we need in order to really heal ourselves. And as long as we take care of her, she'll take care of us. Um, and so, you know, people would actually joke, they'd be like, oh, you're such a hippie. You're so crunchy. And I was like, I am. And I'm just going to make that my black title and just share this information with people. Um, but I don't believe in polarizing, you know, people, because I do believe that when you make people feel bad about their lifestyle, they're, they're not open to, to change. You know, um, when you think about how, like you behave when people make you feel bad. It's not like a thing of like, okay, now that I feel terrible about myself, I'm going to go ahead and do what you said. You know, that's not how it works. Oh, no, I, I absolutely feel that way. I feel like, um, I learn better when I'm on, when I'm on offense and not mm -hmm. defense. So if someone's yelling at me and I have to constantly defend myself, then I'm not actually listening to anything you say. Exactly. But if you're actually just trying to teach me like in a, very positive way I listen, which I guess kind of leads into my next question, because one of the neatest things about being friends with you is that I feel like I've learned a lot from you when there's a social issue that comes up and it, and it literally could be anything. It's anything that you seem to be passionate about. You are very open to lending your voice. And I have more than just a crush on your regular voice. I like your, your social and political voice. Um, you seem to be an activist and an educator for certain minority groups. And it's really refreshing to see. And um, I guess, how do you decide when to speak up, you know, for the black community or the plus size community or breastfeeding mothers or women's rights or however, whatever you're passionate about, or you see this moment, like, how do you decide? It's funny because um, for a really long time, I did not want to say things like, um, you know, when you are developing a brand or when you're like, oh, my God, I need money. I don't want to turn people away because my views on certain things can be polarizing. You don't want to say anything. Um, and in the beginning, I didn't. But then one of my girlfriends, um, she's also a blogger. She's, um, a, you know, an author, Levy Ajayi. She was like when when the church got shot up and the nine people died in Charleston, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, she had brought up how like beauty bloggers weren't out here speaking on, um, you know, current events. And while I'm not a beauty blogger, I thought it was important to accept that criticism, you know, for what it was worth, because no matter what, um, you know, niche you're in, if you have a voice, it's, it's your responsibility to use it. You know, if you have a platform, it's your responsibility to use it. And when I see brands like Ben and Jerry's or, um, you know, other brands taking a stand and taking that risk against losing money, but also standing up for something, it's empowering. You know, it's like that thing of, well, why shouldn't I say something? Um, but it's also something that I grew up with because, um, like my dad and my, my mom grew up in the civil rights movement. You know, my dad was actually a victim of, um, you know, um, he was targeted and a victim of racist acts. Um, you know, so it's, it's hard to not say something. Um, and I, I would talk about it on my personal page, but I feel like it's, I have to talk about it on my, my professional page and my brands because, I am my brands and my visions, my mission statements, my values are all something that transcend through all of my brands. And when people see that, you know, or when people are interested or my my target audience is either open to hearing that or shares the same values as me. And I do feel like that if you have a voice, if you have a platform, then it's up to you to use it for good. Um you shouldn't just be out here trying to make money off of it. I think that um, making money, of course, is really good because it's hard work, what we do as bloggers and influencers, but it's all for naught if you don't use it for good as well. Um, what's the point in building up a community if not to um, use that community for good? Um, and where I take a stand, like I love children. I love people, but I love being black. And um, it's something that's really hard for me to recognize that people, there are groups of people that don't see me as a, as a person or an equal to them. You know, it hurts to know that like my children aren't seen as children or they aren't seen as someone who, or as people who are loved or, you know, as people who are loving, you know, um, and I want something better for my kids, you know, having to teach my daughters that slavery existed and how that mentality is still around is hard because they're like, but why? And I don't have an answer. You know, the only thing that I can do is stand up for what's right. You know, and the same thing, like I had to have the conversation with my oldest daughter where we talked about like, you know, if she's raped or if someone is raped, you know, she has to have the baby, you know, and the person who took advantage of her would have rights to that baby, you know, and be a part of her life. And I expose her to these things because I want her to know that she has a voice that should be heard as well. And that she doesn't have to lay down and just accept things for what they are, that she can be a change maker and that we all can be, but we can't be committed to change if we're not willing to speak up when injustices happen. We uh, raise our child very similar to kind of what you're saying here. We we have a lot of uncomfortable conversations. We we talk a lot about current events more than I think most people talk to their eight-year-olds. But I feel like it's so important to infuse it now mm -hmm. because they're innocent and they they see the world the way that it is. And they see, you know, they see people with different skin colors, but they don't see them as 
negative or positive. They just see them as different. And so if you just infuse it right from the beginning, it's such like an easier way to have them become better adults, really. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that. Like we love to sit and watch um, Queer Eye for um, the straight guy, which of course is not, everyone's not a straight guy on there, but like Queer Eye on Netflix. Oh my gosh. Like that's, I love the reboot of that oh so my, much. It's, um, <laughs> like you can't go through and not cry, you know. I literally saw like every single episode. I'm, so. the, and <laughs> the, the impact that they make, not just like with redesigning these lives, but the impact that they make by exposing or putting themselves out there to change the mentality of people is so important too. And I think that, you know, it's important for us to do that for our children as well. But so when you do decide to speak up and when you do decide to kind of provide a voice, how does it, I mean, I'm sure it does. Does it drain your emotional energy and how how do you recover from that and just keep moving as, as someone who is their own brand and who makes money off of, you know, this social media life that we've kind of put Mm -hmm. ourselves in? Um, It's funny. It actually invigorates me. Um, What does drain me is like, so even within our community, like our sewing community, um, of course, like we deal with things like lack of representation in say custom fabrics. What does drain me is when like white women are like, well, why do you have to be included? Like having to answer that question is draining because it's like, well, well, why not? you know, you would like for our dollars to be included. So why can't our, our faces be included or, you know, having to explain that white privilege um, is not like a derogatory comment. You know, it, it is saying that you have a responsibility because you have a privilege. Um, so that is tiresome, but, you know, standing up for what I believe in or speaking up when, you know, I see babies in cages and I think that that's wrong, you know, or it's obvious that that, that's wrong. And, you know, that's invigorating to be able to stand up and um, speak on it or stand up and do something to help raise money for those children or those families like that feels amazing. But what doesn't feel amazing is when people don't get it, you know, and you have to explain, like when people don't see that, you know, calling a woman of color colored is derogatory or, you know, people want to, um, you know, feel like they should be able to use the N word, you know, because black people use it and having to break that down. Now, that is tiresome. Um, or, you know, even watching politics, like when, you know, Voldemort, I will not speak his name, was elected into presidency. Like I had to take some time off to really, um, figure out what that meant for me and, um, my family and just kind of take a break because I'm very chicken little-ish. I'm like, oh my God, the sky is falling. Everyone is going to die. Like no one will survive. Um, so like, you know, I, I do have to take time off and and, you know, step away. But regarding like working with brands and things like that, what I've learned about life in general, whether you're working with brands or not, is that um, people will want to work with you because of your voice and people will want not want to work with you because of your voice. I'm not for everyone and that's okay. I'm not trying to be for everyone. 
that's a hard pill to swallow. It is. It? it you know what it is at first. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, but then when, if you find out that people don't want to like rock with you because you believe that women have the right to choose whether they should get an abortion or not, then it's like, you know what, that's fine. Like <laughs> you weren't for me anyway. It's okay. And honestly, I am a believer that we don't have to agree on everything as long as we're respectful. You know, um, in fact, when I shared my thoughts on the abortion bill that's had that passed here in Georgia, I thought for sure one of the girls who came on my status and was like, oh, well, no, abortion is wrong. And after like my friends list handed her her ass, you know, I was like, man, she's going to definitely defriend me. Nope, she's still there. You know, and it it's not disrespectful. It's a thing of like, no, we disagreed, but it's okay. Yeah, no, I I I think the internet has said it's been changed a lot in the last couple of years, and there's been a lot of a lot of discourse, and not all of it has been very uh, friendly Mm-mm. or um, progressive. Yeah, and so it is nice when someone can have a differing opinion, mm-hmm. and it ends in a in a peaceful way, because someone is going to learn something if you're not, you know, constantly screaming in each other's faces. Right, right. Like, as long as we're not all using caps locks, everything will be okay. (laughs) And I know you've you've mentioned your kids a couple of times, and you do have three little ones at home. Three of them. And while two of them are now in school, you're switching from that home school life to public school, or are you public school or charter? Charter, yeah. Yeah, but either way, it's a big shift for you. It is. So you've been up until now, um, you know, balance, and you still are balancing the, the full-time mom, but also full-time working from home life. And what, what, what have been the biggest challenges with that? Like, how, how are you finding your way to balance it all? I think that the, there's a lot of challenges actually, (laughs) like having a, it was way easier when, um, Bo, the baby, when he was like a baby, you know, because I baby wore, I would just strap him to me. So, right, you know, shoot pictures, do everything that needs to be done. But now that he's independent and tears every single thing apart in my house and, you know, needs to be fully supervised and entertained, you know, now it's really hard because, um, you know, it, it'll be, I need to get a contract signed. And now I forgot where it was in the contract signing because I had to run off and, stop him from climbing a bookcase or, you know what I mean? Um, so now it's, it's more difficult um, as far as that goes, just being able to focus. But with them going back to school, in fact, when my daughter told me she was ready to go back to school, like I cried about her for like a whole weekend. <laughs> like my feelings were hurt. Aww. And I was like, oh my God, she hates me. And I did, I, I made it about me and not about her or them. And, you know, in fact, it was time. Like I thought that homeschooling was like our permanent solution. And I was like, this is it. We're going to travel the world. It's going to be everything. Everything is awesome. But in truth, I hated it too. Like I was not like the best mom when I was homeschooling. I wasn't the best I could be at anything, honestly, because I kind of just felt like I was always on and never had time to recover. And of course, when you work from home, it's hard to have office hours, especially when you're running all the time. You know, you're running to your desk, you're running to do this, you're running to do that, you're running to do this, you know. It's it can be really difficult. So, um, you know, learning to have those like off hours. Um, in fact, I just posted in my Instagram stories 
that I'm moving towards a you know some block scheduling that I am planning to make successful because now they'll be out of the house. In fact, Bo will be at a morning. He'll be at a two day program where he'll be out, you know, for two days of the week. So I'm able to like really, you know, use that time and use nap times and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to how it'll positively impact my business. Um, I've hired a, a, um, an assistant as well. So I'm like, we're ready to, to really be over here creating really dope content, um, really great pieces of clothing. I'm excited about, you know, um, taking different courses that will better myself and, and really help me grow. You're just, you're on the verge of something amazing. I hope so. Speak it into existence, Katie. (laughs) No, I, so I actually work back in an office now, but I did work at home for myself for two years and it is really difficult. And it's hard when your office is in your home because you, you never leave your office. Therefore you are constantly being called to your work and you forget that they're that there are people who work an eight to five job mm-hmm. and then get to go home and just be humans with their family. Oh my and gosh. So yes. really, it's a hard balance. Isn't it wild that people like leave work and they don't think about work anymore? <laughs> they like leave work. Right. Like, they actually exit. <laughs> I can't imagine what it really feels like. Right. So no, it is it's a hard, it's a hard balance and a hard, a hard challenge. And it's something that a lot of us go through in this like creative realm of things that I think some people don't really take into consideration before they jump right in. Yeah. It's also hard because like when you're a creative, chances are you're doing something that you really love. So it's hard to pull away. Like I don't want to stop working, you know, like I'm enjoying writing. I'm enjoying sewing these pieces. You know what I mean? Like I'm having so much fun. I just don't feel like stopping. And then sometimes you're like, let's say you're sewing to create a pattern or doing something for something specific. And then sewing is actually also your, your hobby and your pastime. Mm -hmm. So you like exit from that and then continue to sew. So your whole, your whole time feels like you, I guess from an outsider's perspective, looks like you're just constantly working. Right. And you are in a way, but you're also doing it because it's, it's literally what drives you right. every single day to get up. Because my kids are like, mommy, you always work. And I'm like, I don't know if it's always working or if, like I'm just kind of always creating. <laughs> I'm like work playing all day long. All day long. <laughs> what if you could skip one part of the creative process and it could be in any any level of any creative work that you do, what would be that part that you skip over completely? The self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely. Cause like I experience it for everything. Like, um, and for me, like I go into almost like a catatonic state where like I have self-doubt and until I move past it, like I'm not moving on the project, you know, which can be really hard. Um, cause like even in sewing, I was talking to my husband about this and um, Katie, I'm sure you get this too. Like it'll be a really great pattern, but I don't know what fabric to use. So now I've got to really like stare at all of my fabrics and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my God, for like an hour. Yeah, or more. (laughs) And it's like, I've got to touch them. I don't know. Did I pre-wash this one? I don't know. Do I have enough of this fabric? Which of course is like an issue when you're plus and like your patterns take up more fabric. And then it's like, "Mm, okay, so if I use this pattern, you know, a fabric, 
what am I going to make to go with it? And so then you go down this whole like hole. And then at the end of it, you're like, "Mm, I don't know if this is it. So I think I'm going to move on to something else. And then that just doesn't get done. And the same thing with writing for me, like it'll be a thing of, is this relevant to anybody? Like, does anybody actually care about this? Or what makes me think that I should be the one who writes this? Or, you know, um, you know, is this good enough? Like, is the writing good enough? Like, is should I really submit this? Or, you know, um, so if I didn't have that, I feel like I would move a lot faster and um, just a lot more efficiently and happily, you know, honestly. Isn't there a meme that's floating around or has been floating around for a long time about the creative process where it starts like, there's, I have this amazing idea. This is awesome. I'm the best. Oh God, everything sucks. I'm the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I'm paraphrasing it poorly, but there is like this very specific meme that is me to a T on how I start and finish like literally every single project I've ever encountered in my life. (laughs) Oh my God. But like even your paraphrasing sounds exactly like me right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this will be epic. And then I'm like, it is not epic. I'm not epic. I'm terrible at everything. And I eventually, I'm going to send it to you so you can read it yes. better than how I just Please described do. it. <laughs> um, so the last question that I really want to bug you about is um, what is something that people would find surprising about you? I want to end every single podcast with this because I really think it's fun to kind of just learn about someone, you know, on a little bit of a deeper level. And it could be something silly and it could be something like completely deep, but just what's something that we would, we would find surprising about you, Aronica Cole? I always think that it's so crazy when people are like, oh my God, you're so confident. Like, um, or, oh, you know, I love, they speak to confidence a lot, but like, there's like a battle that happens every single day to wake up and be like, nah, girl, you're beautiful. It's fine. Like, I understand you're the heaviest you've ever been. You are still like everything, like, go ahead, give yourself this pep talk and don't worry about it. And I didn't realize that I really had this problem until, um, like it came time to figure out how to pose, you know, like in front of the camera, like I'm really awkward in front of the camera. I hate taking pictures. I get in front of the camera and I'm like, what do I do? Put my hand up on my hip. When I dip, you dip, we dip. No, no, no. Okay, no. Just put my hand down. <laughs> I'm not 12 posing in front of the camera. Um, but it like somebody gave advice on just like, do it in the mirror first. And then I was like, I just realized mm-hmm. I don't actually look at myself in the mirror unless I'm like doing makeup. And then that's it. Like I never just like stare at the, at the mirror and like appreciate like my body or see how it looks when I, I do different things or, you know, any of that. Um, that was something that I had to like recently learn about myself. Like, okay, no, like, girl, you got to stand in the mirror, like investigate yourself and really appreciate everything, you know, that you have. And it's okay if you have to wake up and try it again every single morning. Your confidence would not be something I would think you didn't have. So you are selling it and I am buying it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for spending time with me today. Um, It's honestly been a dream come true to just be able to talk to you for, you know, you stop it, Katie. You don't understand. Like when we did our first test together, I was like, oh my God, she's like a celebrity. Ah!" 
get out of here. Well, but for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of I Can Make That Conversations with Creatives. I'm going to be leaving links in my blog post as well, but you can find Veronica at thecrunchymommy.com, on Facebook at The Crunchy Mommy, on Instagram at The Crunchy Mommy, and also you're on Snapchat, correct? I am, yep. The Crunchy Mommy there too. <laughs> so uh, do you have any last comments or anything you want to say before we go? I am so excited that I was your first interview. I think that this is such an amazing concept because we all have such great and creative processes that, you know, need to be shared. Thank you for tuning in to I Can Make That, Conversations with Creatives. Transcripts from this episode, along with links and more information about today's guests, can be found at www.wildandwonderful.com. See you next time, creatives.